Welcome to episode 25 of the WebJoy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie. In this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Ice cream froyo gelato. I'm not going to discriminate with Jay Miller. Welcome to another episode of WebJoy. I'm excited today to have Jay with us. Jay, introduce yourself to the community and let them know who you are, what you do, where you work, just the details. Yeah, I'm Jay Miller. My title is Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. I've been in DevRel for about two two years and some change maybe at this point. I've been working in communities forever, like before it was a job. (laughs) I'm a Python developer. I've been working in the Python community specifically for about the last seven years, something like that, six, seven years. I don't know. Time flies when you're having fun or banging your head against the wall because your scripts don't work, you know, either way. (laughs) Nice. I guess you kind of kind of gave some clarity there when you mentioned DevRel, but I was looking at your title and trying to figure out cloud advocate. Are you advocating for rainy days versus sunny days? That it was the first time I'd kind of seen that as a title. I mean, I am team cloudy day, team overcast, not the podcast app. I mean, I use that app too, but like (laughs) the weather, yeah, it's a developer advocate role. Nice. I think internally it's like cloud developer advocate, but our titles are cloud advocates. Uh, Azure is kind of the big thing that we work around, but then also like Visual Studio Code. Working in the Python team, a lot of my job is focusing on using those things for Python, but also enriching the Python community itself. Like, I don't know how many people know this, but obviously Microsoft, one of the bigger companies that invests into Python as an organization, as a foundation and a community, but also a lot of effort and work goes into making Python, like actually creating Python versions, updating Python, making it more efficient. And it's my job as an advocate to kind of highlight and showcase those things, as well as some of the the business side of like, oh, yeah, and you can do all of these things also in Azure and pay my bills like that would be great. <laughs> so you're also kind of a, a Python advocate in a way. Absolutely. 100%. And active in the very active in the Python community, hoping to bring more people, people from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different stories into tech getting them plugged in and learn like the same way that I did. Speaking of the same way that you did, I guess what, how did you get to what you're doing now? You mentioned, right, you've been doing DevRel for a couple of years. You've been doing community stuff for longer than that. Where did this all start? How did you get here? You know, I guess give us a, a overview of your journey. I'll preface it by saying, one, I'm a college dropout. I wear that with a badge. I don't know if it's a badge of pride or not. (laughs) Kids stay in school, but it is a badge. It is something that makes me who I am. That said, I joined the military after deciding that college wasn't going to be for me. And then I learned a couple of things about myself in the military. One, military life just wasn't for me. But also I learned that I really loved traveling and I really loved like learning about other people, their experiences, and the things that make them excited, Mm. just truly excited. 
I got to live in Southeast Asia for a while. I got to travel all over Southeast Asia, go to places like Thailand and Cambodia, Malaysia, like all these places that people don't think about when they're like, where do I want to go on vacation? And for me, it was like a working vacation where, you know, you worked for a while and then you had a few days to actually go and enjoy. And in your early 20s, you're just like, oh, you know, what's it like to party in a foreign country? But for me, it wasn't necessarily that as much as, oh, I won't lie. There was some of that. (laughs) But there was also like this idea of how do I get into their community and learn and experience how they're living, how they're learning, how they're doing things. Fast forward out of the military, I wind up getting a little sysadmin job and I'm like, oh, okay, this is, you know, I don't want to be there. <laughs> um, like long story short is I like, I just, I don't want to be doing that. I start trying to figure out how I can make myself more productive in the process. One, because I thought I was a really bad employee and was like one bad review from being fired. But then also like, I wanted to just not have to sit there and answer help desk tickets all day and not like do all of those things. So I learned Python and I started getting more and more into Python. And at first it was like, I just want to learn how to program so I can just automate all this stuff and not think about it anymore. But then once I connected with the San Diego Python community and like literally was just amazed at how warm and inviting that community was, it was like, okay, this is the community for me. This is where I want to be. And I had also started like getting into podcasting a lot. From there, it was like, okay, I can do, I do the podcasting thing. I was running my own productivity show for like, five or six years. And then I decided like, okay, that's enough productivity. Everybody's all productive. Now we can, <laughs> we can retire. Now I, I do another productivity show, but it, it's a little bit more people focused not like cranking widgets and checking off to do lists focus. It's more about, can you do it? But um, it, well, it's con, it's con, <laughs> well, you, you, do con it. you do it. Okay. There's a thick accent where I'm from in Tennessee where A's sound like O's apparently. <laughs> uh, and to be fair, people ask her, like, why did you call it conduit? And it's like, because we conduit. Like, that's the entire pun was the reason why it got its name. And then everything else just kind of fell in, in place. <laughs> um, but going back to all this, I realized that I liked talking to people. Like, that was what I wanted to do. That was what I wanted my career to be was having authentic conversations with people. I had started building those skill sets. So I, I just dove into communities and like online communities, Code Newbie. And like I said, San Diego, Python, we all JS. Now I'm just shouting out all the organizations that I've like contributed to in some way, shape, or form. At that point in time, I get out of IT. I'm at the same company still and I switch over to marketing. Mm. It's at this time where I'm like, okay, cool. I can actually automate myself out of this job. I start doing that. Like I literally go into work hit three buttons and then let scripts run. And it does all my work for like the entire eight hours. And I spend all that time just coding, learning more and more on how to program and how to do stuff. I go to a conference, I go to North Bay Python and I sit down with Heidi Waterhouse, who's like absolutely amazing. And if you haven't met her yet, you absolutely should. We're just talking and she's like, you should apply to be a developer advocate at my company, but you'd have to move to Oakland. And I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm moving to Oakland. My <laughs> wife will not allow this. Like, it's not going to happen. In the end, she's like, well, still, you should become a developer advocate. 
I look into it. I talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, first you become a software engineer and then you become a senior software engineer. And then you get tired of writing code all day and you become a developer advocate, which I'm here to dispel all those myths. None of that is true. I was kind of bummed. And some folks were like, we're going to get you hired. Like we're just straight up the community has spoken. We think that, yes, you would be a good developer advocate and we're going to do everything in our power to get you hired. A friend of a friend of a friend had another department in a DevRel team that was hiring and spoke up for me. And from there, it was like, once I was in the role, people were like, oh yeah, developer advocate, you're here. (laughs) Now I do what I said I want to do is just have authentic conversations like this very one that we're having. I do that for a living and I get to have it around Python a lot because that's my job. But I think the doing the Python part is cool because that's a language that I actually enjoy writing and I enjoy using a lot and learning about. But also the people within the community are just so dope. And it's it's just so amazing to connect with them. And it's like, yeah, we're all around this Python thing. But what we really want to do is like go to a conference and like hang out with each other. Like that's what we really want to do. Wow, that's a journey. I love the, that kind of highlights people. Sometimes it feels like you can't get into right overall, you can't get into the place that you want to be. And really all it takes is one, right? Like it doesn't matter what company you get the job at doesn't matter exactly what the circumstances are. Like if you can get in the door, Mm -hmm. then when the people look around, they just see that you're in the door, like they don't care how you got there per se, as long as you can do the job and stuff. Like you get fired by a bunch of companies, then no one's gonna hire you. But (laughs) haven't haven't had to deal with that yet. Uh, (laughs) I think I think I'm doing good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. It's, It's funny that you mentioned that because my sister and I are 15 years apart. So like uh, me in adulthood, she's about to graduate high school next year. And we're having a lot of these conversations now of like, oh, when did you know that you wanted to do what you're doing now? And I was like, when I was like 28, (laughs) a lot of the conversations were like, don't worry too much about what the title is of what you want to do. Just figure out what you like doing And do that. And then if you can make money doing that, great. If you can't make money doing that, then do something to make money to fund the other thing that you really want to be doing until that day comes. And just because it's not Instagram influencer or like full-time live streamer or YouTuber or whatever, like I have a lot of conversations with people who do those things And I learn from them and we're doing a lot of the same things. It's just, I happen to work for big company and they work for themselves and I have benefits and (laughs) them not so much. And it's, (laughs) you know, your, your risk level will determine what path you want to take. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Recently, like I was writing a, a newsletter to the people that subscribed to my newsletter, you know, and it was interesting though, because I was writing about like career development. And it was like, all right, step one, make sure you can get paid. Step two, get good at something. Step three, do something you're passionate about, hopefully the thing you got good at. And then step four, like have an impact on the world. That was like the kind of career ladder that they could kind of take based on a Japanese actual framework. Ikigai. Yeah, Ikigai, yeah. I was going to throw the Ikigai. Again, productivity podcaster. Like, yes, I'm very familiar with the find what you're passionate about, find what the world needs, find what you can make money off of, and then find 
the thing that wouldn't that you can identify yourself in boom that the center of that is quote unquote happiness which i think is subjective because those things will change over time and a lot of that stuff is very fluid yeah i think that's an interesting point what you find happiness or should i say joy in uh it changes <laughs> over time and yeah, I'm full of bad jokes today. Um, but you know, that changes over time. I'm a dad. We've got dad dad jokes are not only welcome, they're encouraged. So I can steal a few. There we go. Well, that's the problem is we put two dads on a podcast together and now our dadness is going to ooze all over the place. We apologize to everyone listening. Yeah, don't ask us to build anything because we'll just sit there and talk all day. <laughs> I get what you're saying though about just the idea of like the fluidity of like what brings you joy, not to quote Marie Kondo there, but like stuff happens in like time periods. And mm -hmm. again, when I first got into like productivity, it was like, oh, I want to know the best apps and everything else. And then the deeper and deeper I dove into that space, it was I want to look at like way when, which is like the art of barely doing enough and just letting things take their course. Taoism, the art of doing nothing. A lot of these these different ideas, and I'm probably butchering those, so I'm sorry. If, if someone goes and looks up and yells at you, like, I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> the idea of learning more about myself and learning what makes me happy in that moment and, like, focusing just in those things. My decision to go to Microsoft was built off of joy. It was a conversation of, like, I love talking about people but I'm often finding myself talking about things that I'm either A, not interested in or or B, I can't relate to. And that's why I talk about like, you know, hey, I'm a college dropout. This is a part of who I am. Like, this is how I see things. And when you go into a field where a lot of people are like, oh, did you go to Stanford? Or, oh, did you go to MIT or Caltech? I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and people want to like have all these conversations with you. And then in my mind, how do I bring this back into something that is remotely interesting to me until eventually I realize it's like, or I could just go into a space that is naturally interesting to me and focus on those things instead. That's good. That's, that's really interesting. So I guess, what is it that drew you to Microsoft where you were in this place where you're like, oh, I'm not finding joy where I'm at. Like I want to head towards this. What kind of was that draw for you? Well, I will say since a lot of my previous coworkers are also friends, like it wasn't them. That wasn't it at all. To be honest, we're all adults here. There's like a lifestyle level of joy that happens. There's also, hey, how much are you traveling? How much are you versus how much time are you spending at home? Mm. When you do travel, are you traveling to places that you want to be at versus places where they want you to be at? And then also, when you go and you travel, what is the experience there? And when you're not traveling, what is that experience? And what I found myself doing was avoiding one thing by doing the other until I couldn't stand the other. So then I would like switch back. Uh, so it was like, travel, travel, travel. Okay, I, I want to stop traveling. Work on big projects so I don't have to travel. And then like, okay, now I'm bored of this. Go back to travel, travel, travel. Like doing that whole thing. And a part of that is me having ADHD and, and like not being able to just say, I want to spend the next 25 years working on the exact same thing in the exact same project. 
that's just not me. But also having having a company that is one large enough to know that not everything will be put on my shoulders. That's good. But also knowing that being on a a relatively small newer team where they're wanting new and interesting ideas gives me the ability to do the things that I'm comfortable doing because to be fair as a uneducated black man in tech that's usually not the thing that's not the case yeah so I can go into a room and say things that are my lived experience or what I think about just in my day-to-day, and people are like, I have never thought about it like that. Wow, this is the first time this stuff has ever been brought to my attention. Who would have thought? This is a great idea. We should do that. Or people say like, oh, we need to increase how people perceive this. And it's like, well, I know the community that I associate with would like this. Because that's what they say. Because again, I like to have conversations with people. So people are telling me we should do things like this. And they go, we've never heard that input before. I'm like, uh, whoa, like all this. And again, these aren't the actual conversations verbatim, but this is the discussion as it's happening of like, Jay, what do you want to do? I want to build things that make a difference in people's lives, especially the lives of people that look a lot like me. And okay, how do we do that? Is there a scholarship fund? Is there, it's like, no, it's just make data available, be transparent about stuff. And when you mess up, own it. It's a relatively simple thing. My developer advocate persona is very much, I'm not an expert. I'm not a, you know, I don't have a doctorate, which some people on my team do. That There was like (laughs) imposter syndrome there. There was this level of like me being who I am is what made me valuable to Microsoft because the people that they've always reached know who they are. They know what's available to them. The people that they would like to reach are the people like me. So it's like, hey, I don't necessarily have all the ends because that's not how navigating life works, but I have different viewpoints than what have been traditional in this space. And I bring all of that on top of my existing skill sets. I love that. And they saw that. They saw that and were like, hey, yeah, come work for us. I was like, all right, let's do it. I'm a very simple person. If you just write me a message and say, hey, I like what you do and I like the cut of your jib, (laughs) you know, then I got a short list of joy. Okay. First thing, new food. Love, love new food. Any Anytime I can go to a new place, try a new meal, have a, a wonderful experience and like a great conversation, I'm all about it. And I'm not picky. I'm kind of picky now because I found out I have like a gluten sensitivity. So I'm like navigating that gluten-free life right now. It's one day, one day. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. That said, one thing that doesn't have gluten, ice cream. Hey. I love ice cream. I learned this from a friend of mine. Shout out to Marietta. Uh, she is uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, she's also a developer advocate. I think she, she's at Google, I believe, at the time this is out uh, or time of recording. But some things are inherently inaccessible. A lot of people like to grab a drink. I like to go grab a drink. That's cool. But I understand not everybody in the room can go grab a drink and not everyone in the room should go grab a drink. There are a lot more people that will go and grab ice cream 
then should be grabbing a drink probably. And you can have as much ice cream as you want, as long as you don't have any of the types of diabetes that, you know, we need to think about. The worst case you will get is a stomach ache and, and maybe like some, some like lactose issues. And the good thing about that is there are a lot of vegan options of ice cream that are just as good. Yeah. I make it a habit now of anytime I launch or do something great, I go celebrate with with some ice cream and like I'll, I'll go to wherever I can and uh, grab some ice cream and, and ice cream, froyo, gelato. Like I'm not going to discriminate on those like sweet, frozen, slightly creamy treat. Yes, I will. That is what I'm looking for in life. That brings uh, joy. And again, doing any of these things with someone, whether I'm doing it for the first time with them or celebrating them, celebrating their wins, their experiences, I think. That brings me more joy than me doing it myself, especially if I know that a tiny bit of that, like I played a part of, I'm never going to take credit for someone else like being amazing. But if I got to give them that little push, go do that amazing thing. And then I get to celebrate with them. I get to ask them like, how was it? Are you going to do it again? Like any of those things. I think that's what brings the most joy. I've never thought about it in that way, how like it is more... Ice cream is an easier thing for most people to go consume and like it's lower threshold. I, I love that. I might have to steal that and start embracing that. Absolutely. And also like there are thousands of flavors to choose from, especially if you get into like gelato. Like there are a lot of coffee gelatos and everyone will be different. People just throw like different fruits and like sometimes they'll even put like vegetables and stuff. There's a place in San Diego where I live called Anne's Dry Cleaning. And it's literally a gelato place that's in a renovated dry cleaning store. So like the dry cleaners isn't there anymore, but it's now a gelato shop. And I love going there because they always have, they'll have like taro, they'll have like sweet potato or like different like mint and peanut butter stuff. And it's, it's always like different flavoring and different flavor profiles to choose from. And and again, like when you can go somewhere that has a lot of options, whether you're vegan, whether you know, whether you just can't consume dairy and they have like other options that you can use, you can try that work out. Like that is so much more accessible than like, Hey, everybody here is drinking. What alcoholic beverage would you prefer? Oh, wait, you're under 21. That doesn't work. Oh, wait, you know, you have a history with alcohol that, you know, need to be around that. Like, it allows more people to be invited. If, if someone has like type two diabetes and they're like, Hey, I can't eat ice cream. It's like, we will stop and like go somewhere where you can eat, or we will find like something for you and, and have the experience, but you don't have to miss out on the larger community. And a lot of that is less stigmatized than something like alcohol abuse and, and, and things like that. So it, it makes the conversation so much easier to have than like, oh, hey, let's go to the pub. And then like, oh, well, ah, kind of, now I'm going to pass. And then you're like, oh. Now everybody's doing like the the weird like shuffle thing. You're like, oh, sorry, uh, didn't mean to. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, I don't, I'm lactose intolerant. Cool. Let's, let's go somewhere where you can go and let's grab a bite to eat and maybe some dessert and we'll figure it out. Whatever we can have that's lactose free, we'll have it dessert, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think that's great because, right, like in, kind of building off of what you were talking about, where like being a black man at Microsoft, like you bring a different viewpoint, like a lot of men in tech. And so we center events around like 
alcohol and stuff. And golf. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I don't ever... I hate golf. Like, this... For anyone that ever wants to connect with me, do not ask <laughs> me to go play golf. That is... Oh, do you play golf? No. I don't even play putt-putt. Like, get... No. <laughs> like... All of these weird things. And it's not even to say that that those are weird gendered things, but it's like, just ask people what they like to do and then go. That's probably the other thing that brings me joy is that now the community is less afraid of asking mm. and is work and just, they're like working on it. Like, how can we best reach you? And then taking that feedback and like, just doing that, like that was... Uh, someone asked me about mentorship the other day, and I, I told them, like, if you want to reach underrepresented people with mentorship, learn where they are, learn how they want to be helped, and do just mm. that. Nothing else. Like, don't go anywhere beyond what they have asked of you to do. Because that's where folks, like, wind up going into these these weird traps of, like, oh, I sat down with this group, and I did all these things for them. And they're like, that's great. That doesn't really, that doesn't really help me though. <laughs> oh man. No, that's, that's true. People can get in their own heads and think I'm going to do this for so-and-so. And like that does nothing for them all the time. I think, oh, I'm going to do this for my wife and she'll really appreciate it. And she's like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. I appreciate it, I guess. But like that, that wasn't important to her. Different people accept and receive things differently based on their background and their experiences. And it's like, just because we think that someone will appreciate this or we have gender or racial stereotypes that make us think that someone will appreciate something, like they're an individual. Yeah, find out if they actually care about the thing before you go and spend effort trying to do it. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that failure will go against mm. what could have been success. I think that was one of the big things working with uh, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities in like the Southeast. Companies are so eager to talk about how like their company wants to do so much for those schools. And it's at the same time, it's like, did you ask them what they needed and just start providing those things instead? Because like when we go on a campus and talk to somebody, and I'm not saying we as in like Microsoft, I haven't done that for Microsoft, but like when I personally, for anybody, go onto a campus and I'm talking to students, I'm like, where are you at mm. in your learning? Like, how can I help? And when they say, oh, you know, it'd really be cool if we had, you know, people to just learn about this thing. That costs me nothing. That's That's some tweets and some hashtags and like do that. And then you go... Hey, is there anything else I can do? And, and like keep having successes to them because what you qualify as a success and what they qualify as a, as a success will be so different that sometimes their successes will be absolutely free to you and you can do more, but you can do more in a way that you know will benefit them. That's good. Yeah, I mean, as we wrap up today, you know, one thing we like to do as a community is we love to support each other. And so we just want to know, is there anything you've been involved in or anything that you've worked on that you'd like to share with the community? Yeah, so I have been working over the last couple of years, getting deeper and deeper connected with internal team level DEI things at everywhere I work. Because again, I am very used to being the only person that looks like me at my job or being the only black person, the only like, so like 
anytime that happens or or anytime I go to a conference, like I always call it like the rule of two. Like, oh, there's always like two people of color speaking. And one of them is definitely talking about their experience as being a person of color in that space. It's sad because everybody that I've talked to that is black is like, oh, I'm number two and you're number one. It's like, like, yes, like we're it. We found each other. It's great. But when I ask people, like, how do we fix this? What do we do about it? They're like, oh, I don't know. It's so hard to find organizations that cater to, to underrepresented people in tech and all these things. And we give money to, like, this one group, and that's it. And I was like, well, there are so many groups out there that need help and need support and need members. And there are plenty of people who want to be a part of communities that are people that look like them and have the same experiences as them. And it's not an exclusionary thing. It's a finally a place where I can feel safe and not be the only person doing the thing that looks like me. So all of that to say, I've put together this website called diversityorgs.tech. I put it out a long time ago. It was this other thing where like you would just start put in your your city and like what technology you're into and you would get like all of the different organizations in that area that cater to that those groups. It's expanded a little bit. There's some things that I'm taking into perspective more, things like accessibility and making sure that like it's usable um, by the greater uh, community. And right now, like as we're recording, this is around Juneteenth. So like I'm celebrating Juneteenth. I'm throwing up all the black organizations, but there are actually like 600 organizations that I have manually gone through the process of like indexing and adding and throwing all the information and classifying and all that stuff. And I'm hoping that there will be more by the time that this is released. So if you go there, you can, if your city has an API thing that you can do, like there's an API where you can find all the organizations that cater to underrepresented groups in your area. If there's a particular area, a particular group that you want to look into, uh, you can do that as well, both on the web as well through the API. And if you're an organizer and you're like, hey, my group's not in here, that's because we haven't connected on Twitter yet, so we should do that. But then also you can create an account and add your organization as well. And I will say that like, I'm in the process of making sure that one, this is accessible for everybody. It's also safe for everybody. So if you say, hey, add my thing, why don't I see it? It's because there is a vetting process to make sure that we highlight when code of conducts don't exist. We highlight when, you know, you say you're a local organization, but you only meet online for, you know, for reasons like we get that. And we take reporting very like I take reporting very seriously and personally inspect all of those things. So, yeah, the the site is diversityorgs.tech. Again, hopefully uh, by the time this comes out, there will be more things to talk about on there, but I'm already excited about where it is today. That's great. I love that you're collecting this information. And I also like the idea of like, hey, highlighting something specific, right? Like with Juneteenth, you know, highlighting all the different organizations that are for Black people. And that's a great idea even to potentially like year round figure out, hey, like what other things for underrepresented groups could you highlight and like have little like highlight things for those different groups i think it's it's going back like i said we're recording this in june like the week of juneteenth um after this it's going back to pride at least for one more week nice uh, and then we'll see like there I've, I've got to figure out what that content schedule looks like and again all of these organizations are available on the site and this isn't designed to take away from them 
I don't provide any of the services that they provide. Uh, you Basically, the page that I get is like, here's an informational page about them. Here's all the things that you need to know to make whether or not you want to engage with them. And then here are the links to their platform on how you can engage with them in the way that you have deemed that you wanted. Sorry, we made it through most of it. And then Riverside just totally died on me. <laughs> all right, I think we're good now. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I was going to say it froze for a second, but I wasn't sure if it, uh, I was like, ah, knew I should have done that back up recording. <laughs> That's okay. I think it recorded everything on yours fine. It sends a different stream between us than it does record locally. So yeah, the local should be okay. And then yeah. it's just, we didn't see each other. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> hey, Eddie here from the future, or... Should I say present day? I was convinced when we were recording this that despite the issues we were having hearing each other, that the recording was happening fine and it was all going to be available. It turns out Jay was right. I should have had him doing a backup recording. <laughs> well, welcome to the real world where not everything goes as planned. But hey, at least we were just minutes away from the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us for episode 25, Ice Cream Froyo Gelato, I'm Not Gonna Discriminate, with Jay Miller. You can find out more about Jay on his Twitter, at KJMiller, or his website, KJMiller.com. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Jay's Twitter and website in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, help others discover it as well. Give us a shout out on Twitter or tag a friend or coworker that you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to either follow us on Twitter or subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date. Thank you for listening and have a great day.